Welcome to Convos from the Couch from Lifestance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lianza. And on today's episode, I'll be talking with Aaron Munson, a clinician from one of our Life Stands Milwaukee offices on the very important topic of OCD awareness. So welcome, Aaron. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, mm-hmm. is one of those topics that I think oftentimes people don't really understand. The general population, I, I would say, really right. maybe misunderstand really what it's about. You know, it might be someone who says, oh, I like to keep my, my desk neat and clean and, and things in certain order. And, and right. they might even say, hey, that's me being very obsessive compulsive, when that might not be an actual act- accurate uh, description of really what the disorder is. So the aim of right. today's episode is to really kind of get in a more nuance of really truly what OCD is. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you for sure. Thank you. As we jump in, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, Aaron Munson, I'm a licensed professional counselor. So LPC, right? There's all different kinds of degrees we can have, but I'm an LPC. Um, And so I've been I've been told I look kind of young, but I've been doing some kind of therapy for like 17 years or so. Oh, wow. All right. All uh, right. And so um, I, I started with Rogers Behavioral Health uh, out, of, out of college and uh, as I was getting my master's degree and got a lot of experience there. I was there for seven years and I went to private practice, um, you know, been there for the last 10 plus years. And also we have now been joined with Life Stance Health recently. So you know, really been honing that uh, practice with OCD and other OC spectrum disorders, anxiety disorders, social anxiety, panic, you name it, when it comes to those last 17 or so years. Um, started with, like, with Rogers, like I said, where I got experience there, all with my grad school, and then I've kind of really honed that craft and really worked with different people, as well as other therapists to help myself, you know, kind of make sure I'm staying on, on top of things in the last you know, 10 plus years. So, so it definitely sounds like you'll have lots of, of your own experience on obsessive compulsive disorder to share with our mm-hmm. audience today. Yep. So as we jump in, let's kind of start off with like, what are some of the symptoms of OCD? Great question. Um, and I could go off on probably hours and all this stuff, but so to start with the, the basics of it, right? So OCD, as you said before, is obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and the obsessions are unwanted or intrusive thoughts, images, or impulses. Um, and I'll get to compulsions in a second. We'll go over some examples, I think, later or whatnot. But it's important to have this distinction there because um, it can be thoughts. We often think of it as thoughts, things that bother us or worry us, you know, the obsessional nature. But it can be images that we have that really scare us or freak us out or impulses to actually do things. Um, I've had people who have impulses to run over a crosswalk and hit somebody in there. They would never do it, but right. that's kind of the impulse that comes with that obsession. Right. And of course, then that leads to the, you know, they feel they're freaked out and anxious and worried about it. And it happens all the time and they're getting more and more intense. And that kind of builds on itself and which leads to compulsions, which are the act of either physical or mental behaviors that we do to try to alleviate that anxiety, to get rid of the thoughts, to make them better, so on and so forth. Um, and so it's really important to distinguish those things. And kind of, we'll probably talk about this as well, but as you kind of said before, it's not just, just the simple things of having things ordered or keeping straight. 
but it's really that intrusive and impairing parts and impairing your life because I look at all all disorders really, but especially any OCD as a spectrum, right? It's not you have it or you don't, right? right. It's somewhere in between. Right. At some point, you and I as clinicians call things clinical or diagnose them. Right. But you know, I've had some people who are a bit perfectionistic or who like things kind of neat and orderly in their house or just kind of like things a certain way. That's not necessarily OCD, and that's becomes more on that spectrum of impairing, getting yeah. your way of things, just kind of intrusive in your life. Right. I, and I like how you're clarifying, like specifically with obsessive compulsive disorder, that specific disorder can be very debilitating and it can look like a lot of different things as well. Yeah. So, but the important part of looking at it as a spectrum and, and kind of somewhere and falling out of this, that uh, spectrum for sure. What are some of the different types of OCD? Yeah, that could be a whole lecture and stuff too, right? But um, I guess what I'll highlight is you got your classics uh, that you see on TV and social media or in, in you know Hollywood and that kind of stuff of your you know, contamination or kind of germ kind of OCD, hand washing, those kind of things. Um, you're just keeping things straight and orderly, but we want to kind of, those are definitely all different kinds, but I think there's a common misconception that those are the most common. They're really not. Right. In fact, all of them are probably equally common, to be quite honest with you. And I wanted to highlight some of the other ones there's like religious OCD where you're afraid of offending God, whether you are or aren't religious, that happens. Um, if people are to be more religious tend to have religious OCD more, but it can happen to anybody. Something called scrupulosity, which is, involves religion, but also involves trying to be, you know, feel like you have to be a really good person, those kind of things, making bad mistakes, which also brings in perfectionism. As you can see, they all kind of touch each other. Yeah. They're not one off, right? They all, they all touch each other. Um, things like sexual sexual intrusive images or impulses, OCD, yeah. uh, harming, right? And I believe it's a very, as a clinician, you have to make sure you distinguish between who actually want to harm somebody or themselves, right. like with suicidal thoughts or cutting, but um there's a lot of people who are so deathly afraid of it that they will not go near a knife. They won't touch a knife, right? And so there are all different kinds of OCD that you wouldn't even think of and probably some I'm missing because I've heard of some unique ones over the years right. where it just basically is that part of your brain uh, getting obsessed about something that probably is unlikely. You know, there's just so much nuance to it of, of you know, as you're giving some of the examples, some of the types. Um, one, one example, this is one, this wasn't from one of my own clients, but just another example I've heard of, you mentioned the harm OCD mm -hmm. of, of actually this particular example I'm going to give of someone driving and they have this intrusive thought that they hit someone. Yep. So as they're driving, they're constantly looking around like, did I hit someone? And it's that yep. intrusive thought of you hit someone. And so they'll look for clues, which is maybe as we get into looking at the compulsive behaviors of what they're doing yep. to kind of bring down that anxiety of like, well, if I would have hit someone, then I would have heard, you know, I would have heard some sort of noise yep. in the car or something. But even as they try to re reason with it, with the OCD, it, it doesn't often like lessen the OCD. And that's what I think makes treating it so hard. Go ahead. Exactly. Go ahead. Because, you know, we talk about, uh, I always give this example to my, my patients, my wife, back when we were younger and in grad school and she was in grad school down, I lived out in, um, you know, about half an hour away from her grad school, basically. Right. And she, where we both lived and she was driving down there and got in a car accident. It wasn't, no one was hurt, but the car accident was kind of bad, but everyone was thankfully safe. And she called me and I was out and she can you come meet me? Of course, she was kind of crying, hysterical, all normal stuff for car accident. Go down there. What's the first thing I do is I console her and say, it's going to be all right and check in on her, that kind of stuff. I give her reassurance, right? Yeah. That's yeah. normal. In situations where it's normal to give reassurance and to comfort someone or ourselves, that's normal. What OC does, it wants that reassurance and comfort for things that they don't need it for. Yeah. And we can kind of go into those more examples later, but that's kind of the idea is it's normal for us as family members, loved ones, parents, right. whoever it is, to give that reassurance to loved ones, kids, whoever it is. But 
and actually feels that fire more so because of how the OCD works. Right, right. And I like how you said it feels the, the fire because of how OCD works, which a little bit later on, we'll talk about a very specific perspective, uh, evidence-based uh, method of how you help with it. Because the right. natural idea is that you want to reassure or reassure yourself yep. of it. So, so tell us a little bit more about other maybe examples of obsessional thoughts, or even if you want to say intrusive thoughts. Yeah, and we call them obsessional, intrusive. They're kind of one and the same, frankly. Um, Got you. I mean, so it could be anything, right? You use the example yeah. of um, uh, hitting someone. Yeah, you know, use example of someone. What was that? Oh, you were saying I was using the example of like I was using the example of someone thinking that they hit someone. But yeah. go ahead. What when we get there? It's a great example. It's a. It's a. We can make call driving obsessions or driving. Yeah. Right. It's a one off of, of harm. Right. You feel like you harm somebody. So that, right. that happens quite a bit. Uh, driving, you know, obsessions about did I hit somebody. And remember, these are the thoughts or impulses or images. The compulsions come later. Um, but could be any kind of thought that sense harming someone else themselves. Um, I've had people, even people I know personally, not just even patients who worry about harming somebody. Right. Won't, don't want to be around a knife for those reasons. Um, it's also not uncommon to worry about harming your kids, especially this has happened so much that. Um, not every single mother who has postpartum has right. OCD, but right. it's very not uncommon for them to have no thoughts of harming their child. And then after all the, the they go through in the, the birthing process, right. all the hormone stuff, you know, it kicks up and then they have these yeah. thoughts of harming their child. We all as parents tend to worry about, are we doing the best for our kids? But this goes above and beyond that, this intrusive image stuff uh, or impulses, um, sexual of nature to themselves, yeah. to other people, to random people. Um, right. Of course, your classics like germs and OCD. COVID's been a big one. Yeah. Um, it's influenced people quite a bit. I can go on and on, but there's all different right, kinds. Right. Perfectionism yeah. that kind of gets in the muddy the areas of what kind of anxiety disorder, quote unquote, it is. But really, perfectionism, which isn't bad in and of itself, and that becomes intrusive and, and impulsive, is someone who's constantly worrying about their grades, they're doing the best thing, or in their job, those kind of things. Right, right. I, I even looking at other obsessional or intrusive thoughts of like, uh, well, actually, as I'm sitting here thinking that where that floats us into more like compulsive behaviors, which looking at rituals and stuff, which actually let's why don't we just talk about that? What are some examples of like compulsive behavior related to OCD? Yeah. And so you kind of right to the reference you, you point out about the personal driving obsession. So the obsession is the initial thought that you have image or impulse, right? Same thing initial thought, which you can't always control. Even the random people, I give example, my niece, if she has, my niece is 11 years old now. If she ever hears that she's going to hate it. But there's a, there's a time when she was the first of all the kids that we have, the cousins and my kids and stuff and loved her death. She was cute, one-year-old. I had some images of kicking her down. I have no idea, desire to do that, right? right. That's got you. my nature, gotcha. right? right? But it's right. that initial thought that kind of pops in her head. Yeah. Most of us without OCD can be like, well, that was weird. I don't want to do that. I'm going to let Maybe it go. Maybe just dis dismiss it a bit. Yeah. It, right. Whatever. Someone with OCD though, by nature of how their brain works, it's hard for them just to let it go. Right. Quote unquote. And so that initial thought pops up image or impulse. And then it turns into, well, I get rid of this thought. I don't like it. I don't like how it makes you feel and enter in the compulsion. We also call them you know, rituals or oh, safety rituals. behaviors. Yes. Yes. I, like, I like safety behaviors a lot because you're trying to keep yourself safe. Yeah, or something that's that's yeah. an imagined, you know, fear, imagined scary thing, and so let's say go back to the classic of hand washing. So I'll wash my hands again and again and again. Well, initially we all wash our hands a little bit, but if I keep doing it again and again and again because of these feared thoughts and worries, it never quite satisfies enough. Because as we said earlier, you're not really trying to fix anything. The OC makes you think you are, but you're really not, and therefore the compulsion then or behavior just kind of adds on itself. 
for example, of you said with you know, the driving, they'll check things. I've had people who drive back and re-go back things. Mm-hmm. People avoid quite a bit, especially if it's around harming or sexual thoughts. They've had thoughts about harming kids. And so yeah. they'll avoid kids at all costs, right? They won't right. change their own kids' diapers. Right. And so many different compulsions that you name it. All your other classes of hand washing, of using hands as barriers to things, um, you know, keeping things orderly and arranged and having to make things perfect in your house. Uh, rereading things if you're yeah. in perfectionism it could go on and on right and I think that's the key here is like we could go on and on with this which also makes me think of how many people out there who might struggle with some of these symptoms that don't even realize like holy crap I did not know this was OCD I'm having these intrusive thoughts of like a knife and, and maybe stabbing myself or stabbing somebody else I didn't know that yep. was a that was OCD there so I think again this is why we're talking about this for sure Right. And I appreciate that. You know, again, those, that's the thing is some people see these things as just, just things they do. Right. I just do this stuff. Right? right. And again, do we all have superstitions? Do I wear the same Packers jersey when I'm watching my team? Sure. Yes. I mean, those are different things than actually getting away your life again, because compulsions, just like obsessions should be intrusive in your life. Right. So if you're doing these things, it's at least causing enough distress and impairment in your life. That you're like, I don't like this. So even if you do the same thing the same way every day, that can be routine, but if it gets in your way of your life, and I also wanted to highlight too, because you kind of made a reference there, it, it is mm-hmm. these, these physical uh, compulsions or safety behaviors, but also mental. And that's where people may not always see them. Right. Well, I just do this. I just worry about stuff or I just kind of try to plan out my entire day, which again, is not indicative of OCD right. itself, right. but if it gets right. in the way of your life and, and so impairing, if you talk to a therapist like yourself or myself, right. which I realizing, yeah, you're doing a lot of mental kind of these behaviors, yeah. compulsions that probably aren't really necessary. And that's right. because it wants to alleviate you know, some kind of worry or obsession. Right. And so you, I, I'm glad you brought up the mental compulsions because if we're going to use the example of just washing hands, so the obsessive thought of contamination, my hands are dirty. The compulsion would be, let me go wash my hands. So then it alleviates a bit, a little bit of the, the obsessive thought until it gets clicked again, where you have to do it. But so we're, what that uh, compulsive, we're talking about a physical compulsion or something actively you can do. A mental compulsion is something at a whole level, level, another level, which I actually think in treating OCD is often a little bit more difficult because with a compulsion of that you can physically do, you also have a very specific uh, treatment format that you can also maybe try to help you refrain from that and sit with the anxiety. But with the mental compulsions, I find those are just so much more difficult. But yeah. you know, before we continue maybe to talk more about mental compulsions, let's talk about uh, maybe a very specific therapeutic format that is often the most, one of the most evidence-based uh, ways to help with OCD, which is exposure response prevention. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and some examples of it? Sure, definitely. Um, so ERP or exposure response prevention is a kind of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, specifically behavioral, because it helps to show the idea of habituation, which is the more we do something, the more we get used to it. And so I'll sidetrack for a second because I honestly think that this ERP is also called exposure therapy for short. I honestly think a lot of our life is exposure. If you think about it, right, you're a one-year-old trying to learn to, to crawl and walk. Now, we don't think of it because we're one. We don't know that, but we're nervous to stand up and walk and, and go. We fall and stuff. So we, we're kind of exposing ourselves to something that causes us this anxiety and uncertainty. Learn to ride a bike, learn to drive a car, go on your first date. You know, all those classic things we think of just normal life events, which they are, are also in, in those cells exposures because you're actually facing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Even if it's also cool, like if I get to learn to drive this car, I can go anywhere I want to. Right. But initially, it still makes you feel uncomfortable and nervous and uncertain. And so really, that's the basis of what 
exposure therapy is, is you practice those things. The more dates you go on, the more times you ride your bike, you walk, you walk, or you drive your car, eventually you get to like, oh, this is easy. You habituate to it. And so life, we do that with, but when it comes to OCD or other intrusive anxiety stuff that we experience, we tell ourselves or other, others tell us, well, just, just avoid it, forget about it. But actually it's the best thing to expose yourself to it when it, hopefully it's actually not real danger. I'm never going to put somebody in actual dangerous situations. Let's just say, for instance, they're not going to hit some of the car. They're driving. And, you know, the, the goal is they, if they don't want to drive, they want to, they don't want anything to happen to them. So the goal is I want you to try driving for a block or two or around the block, or whatever, and see what happens. They're going to have these urges to go back and, and recheck or to look, whatever it is. And that's that ritual type stuff or right. response. And so our goal is expose yourself, ERP, the E of the ERP. Don't do those behaviors of the checking or going back and going forth or whatever your, your compulsion is. And then the idea is the more times you do that, and then we kind of taper it up with different example situations, you realize just like you did with the stuff early in your life, you did, don't, didn't realize your exposures, you realize, oh, something bad's happening. Right. And therefore the obsession then starts to quiet down over time. Those are great examples. Oftentimes when I'm working with clients and in, in trying to use ERP with them as well, I'll use the example of how we habituate, for example, if we're around someone who wears, we can tell is wearing a lot of cologne or mm -hmm. perfume and it's like it smells like so much and so strong and you wonder how can they not smell it so strong for themselves? Yep. Well, we might put on cologne and not be able to smell it as much. So we put on more until we can smell it. It's because we habituate to the smell. It's exactly. similar. It's a similar idea be, uh, behind exposures as well. We, yep. The idea is exposing ourselves to it, to habituate to it. So the response to it isn't as intense. Exactly. Right. Whether that's a physical thing, like smelling something, right. like I mentioned before, when we're learning to ride a bike or just right. you know anything in life, the more that we, get, we do something, the more we practice at it. I take sports, more you practice it, the more you, you hopefully get better at it, get used to it. Um, it's just that these things are scarier because they're seen as, you know, weird or odd or just intrusive. And so they don't want to face and they'd rather avoid them. Right. Now, I know that we had a conversation previous to our recording mm -hmm. today of I was sharing with you my perspective of ERP. It's not always very warm and fuzzy, meaning you know, when I'm working with my clients, my goal is when I, especially if I'm just working with just general anxiety and things that might be stressing them out, is to help them contain that anxiety and, and teaching them coping skills to help kind of contain right. that and stuff like that. But that's not what we're talking about with ERP. And can right. you tell us a little bit more from that point of view? Sure. And it's, it's, um, it's, not, it's not fun, right? So I always right. reference that when I tell people, and I referenced right. this one time, I remember I was working at Rogers years ago and I had this one client who was really challenging herself really hard and it was hard for her. She'd been doing it for, for weeks and it was, it was hard. And this was, she'd come to a program which I'd see her daily. At one point I was smiling and I'll tell you why in a second. She's like, why are you smiling? This is causing me so much kind of anxiety and, and, and grief. I don't like it. And I said, I'm smiling because I know you're making progress and you're facing these fears that are really hard for you. So it might seem like we're like enjoying in this stuff, like we're pushing you too hard. Yeah. That's because we know that's going to help in the long run. And it is hard work. I always say yeah. to people, I say, you've got to be ready for it. And right. I truly mean that. Like you come to my office after the first few sessions and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready. And I'm like, well, let's, let's get to the point where you can be ready because it is truly hard work and it's not warm or fuzzy. It's, it's tough stuff. Yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah. Any other takeaways you'd like to share about obsessive compulsive disorder? So I guess, um, I mean, we could go on, like we said, for, for hours. Right. If anyone's welcome to contact me or anybody else who you know is specializing to get more information if they want to, just to hear about it, right. uh, whether you suffer with OCD or, or not. The thing I would just say, um, 
often people, and this probably applies a lot of mental health disorders, but OCD in particular, they think they're weird or abnormal, no one else has this. Um, a lot of research studies that I've seen over the years range from anywhere from three and a half to 5% of the population has OCD which that's just the reported cases, right? Yeah. And that's like millions of people. That is. Who have it, right, right. right. And, and so I think it's important to know that you're not alone. You're not weird and crazy. Right. Majority of people that I work with are normal everyday people that yes. you would see anywhere else, right. teachers, whoever it is. And right. it's just that they're inside their head. I, I have a, a guy right now I'm talking to who's a, you know, he's a, a prominent business person, right? And so the idea is like, they're very functional. It's just that this yeah. stuff keeps them from doing things. Yeah. Some people aren't functional and that's, OC can be very intense and severe. Right. Most right. people are, and it's just they think that they're weird when they're really not. Right, right. Yeah. So I love the fact that you just help people realize that you're not alone. There are so many more millions of people that also struggle with this. I would say OCD can be a beast. And if you're able to function with it, great. And I know there's a lot of people who can't, and that's okay too, because hopefully you're getting help and you're working very hard at trying to help yourself with it for sure. So yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron. You're this welcome. was really informative. And I do hope we reach a lot of people who are like, my gosh, I didn't realize I was really struggling with OCD. So Me thank too. you again. Appreciate You're welcome. Thank you. you.